Dear friends, thank you for taking the time to listen to our Hope Canteen podcast, where we look at one of the upcoming readings for Sunday for insight into our walk with Christ. This is our 53rd episode. My name is Steve London, Rector of St. Thomas Anglican Church in Sherwood Park, Alberta, and joined, as always, by Stephanie London and Michael Rolfe. Stephanie also happens to be pastor at St. Columba in Beaumont, as well as various and sundry committees with the National Church, and Michael is retired Archdeacon of the Diocese, as well as chaplain with the RCMP, and probably a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm not naming. But regardless, how are you all today? Not too bad. I enjoy this time of year because the rush of Christmas and the AGMs and Holy Week and Lent and all all those things are are over and it sort of settles down and uh, some of those various and sundry committees are are settling down too. Yeah. So I booked some camping and we we are definitely looking forward to that. I think for me, I have a similar response. I sort of gauge my busy day, busy year from September through till Pentecost. And then after Pentecost, it does uh, calm down. So we are now in the calm time. And I, I do appreciate that. Even after retirement, I being in retirement, I still feel the same way, Steve. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole new time of year opening up. And uh, well, the vestments turn to green on, on uh, this particular Sunday, and they'll stay that way through the rest of the summer. We hope it's a nice green summer for us. I hope so too. In this week's podcast, we are looking at yet another great feast day of the church, Trinity Sunday. This is the celebration and praise of God as a unity and Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The reading for this Sunday comes from the Gospel of John. And if you wish to read it ahead of time, you can pause the podcast here and turn to John 3, verses 1 to 17. This is the famous story of the Pharisee Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night to find out what Jesus is all about. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and about God giving his only son for love of the world. But you will notice there is no word called Trinity here. Jesus just states that there is God, but there's also a son and there is a spirit. It says nothing about how they relate. Are they the same thing? Are they different things? Well, this was all left for the next generation to wrestle with. What does it all mean? Well, I am grateful that Michael and Stephanie are here to talk about it and uh, help us all to understand. I'm just curious, Michael and Stephanie, in these readings and in your own thoughts about Trinity, what speaks to you in all of this? I always joke about Trinity Sunday being a difficult Sunday to preach because of this particular theological concept that uh, that that is difficult to define. So, uh, so I'm sitting here really happy that uh, Steve and Stephanie are here to help me out with it. Well, traditionally, this is the sermon that you pass off to your curate. I don't I don't know where you find a curate in two days, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoy this so i might be the only one the one who really enjoys the concept of trinity and and what it means and one of the pe questions people wrestle with is why do we even talk about this and it's just a reminder that in scripture we have these jesus names the father jesus names the son jesus names the spirit and the next generation asks the question well how is that are they the same person are they different persons we confess one god but it seems like jesus is talking about three different things 
So it took a couple of generations to actually figure that out. And when I say a couple of generations, it actually wasn't finally hammered out until 315 at the Council of Nicaea. And that's why we have the Nicene Creed today. Yeah, and, and within those centuries, they had really heated arguments and fights and all sorts of things over this doctrine. So it, it seems like kind of a, a very heady theological thing, but it actually formed formed and uh, governed the, the thought and the interactions within the church for hundreds of years. Yeah, it actually turned out to be quite a hard balance to get to. So you talk about on the one hand, worshiping one God, but on the other hand, there are these three persons and how do they relate? People always just itch to explain a mystery. They don't like to accept a mystery. And so we've had what we call the, the Trinitarian heresies, modalism, where they're all just different aspects of the same God revealed at different times. You've got Arianism where Jesus is like, a super angel, but not equal with God. You have tritheism, where in fact, there's three different gods. You've got docetism, where Jesus didn't really incarnate. It just kind of seemed to. Adoptionism, where Jesus was a normal human, but just got it right. And he was adopted into the Godhead. And maybe a modern heresy, we have God consciousness, where Jesus just kind of gets it where nobody else does and uh, leads us all in the way. For me, I actually just think maybe we can't explain it. Maybe we just have to leave it as such. The old adage, oh, it's a, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I think there's great wisdom in that. <laughs> For me, these these models of the Trinity are sort of like, like Nicodemus coming to Jesus in verse 4 and saying, how can anyone be born after having grown old? How can one enter a second time into the mother? into the mother's womb and be born he's trying to understand something that's that's fundamentally not understandable to us and i think these these sayings that jesus replies to him with in the rest of the reading are also things that are central to understanding our faith but are also mysteries it's it's not always possible to to understand them fully like that it's it's possible not to believe even though we've seen something or this communication between heaven and earth and this ascending and descending motion or the cross where Jesus is lifted up is paradoxically the place of his greatest glory or the eternal life is not through following the shame and condemnation of the law, but through the gift of God's son. The Trinity is that same kind of mystery. We, we can't fully explain it in human words and we can't fully understand it with our human minds. And at first glance, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Gospel passage is intriguing because it sounds like it's attributed to Jesus. And yet, as we get into it, it sounds more like the creation of the author of John's gospel. Uh, because, because Jesus says to Nicodemus, uh, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's referring to something that he, he's referring to the ascension after he has uh, ascended into heaven. And, and so it, it sounds more like the author uh, has added this instead of the, these being words of Jesus. I think you're right. I think it's actually more of a commentary on what Jesus is. It's, I mean, scholars are divided on that, but I, I agree with you, Michael. I, I think that's probably right. 
one of the things that I think is important, I often think that if God exists, then it, it would have to be that our minds can't grasp that. It would have to be a paradox, the idea that we can grasp what the concept God means and everything that's in that. It, to me, it's just absurd. What I love about the Trinity is it is a very way of saying there are just realities you cannot tie up with a neat bow and understand. I think Augustine actually once said, if you can comprehend this, then it is not God. And that only makes sense to me. We're talking about things that are eternal outside of space and time. And we have to use metaphors to try to even get close. And, and in some ways, this is more of a spiritual truth than an intellectual truth anyways, right? It's something that we experience through love, not really something we grasp with our mind. But I don't think we need to. Yeah, but I, I think also it's important to note that there that even though this is a doctrine, it's something that theologians debate, that it actually has very theologically practical, if I could put it that way, things to say about how we understand God. Because if, if the church has discerned, I guess, over centuries, that this is this is just the best way to hold the center together. Because if if you start to move outside this understanding of three and one and one and three, then you drift into some statements about God that can be problematic. So for example, if you believe that Jesus is not a full member of, of the Trinity and is equal with God, the father, then downstream from that, you end up with a Jesus who's in fact, not able to fully save us. Or if you don't hold that the Trinity shares one nature, then you start to get away from the central belief that we share with Judaism and Islam, that there is only one God. Or if you start to say that the Son and the Spirit are less than God and not fully God, then, then you also lose the potential for this reconciliation and renewal of all things as the new heavens and the new earth are, are knit together through their activity. So there's there's things that happen downstream from the Trinity that allow us to, to hold to what we believe is, is the most authentic understanding of who God is. I think following that, Stephanie, it also is an appreciation of why community is so important, that our relationships of love, in fact, are meant to reflect the relationships of love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, our love is an invitation into that greater love. It's a participation. I think participation is probably my favorite word for what salvation is. It is participation in the very life of God. And it's not just a unity in relationship with us, but a participation in a community and an eternal dance that is already have been going on for eternity what we call the perichoresis. Really, really beautiful to understand that, that in God, that kind of undivided and yet fully unique relationship is, is possible. And it's something that, that we will experience someday. We all encounter God in different ways at different times. And, and so that, that's why it's important for us to remember that the, the Trinity, which comes as close as we humans can come to describing God. We welcome, we, we love the God who is the creator, 
we love the earth upon which we live and, and we love to talk about God the creator, but we also need to have personal encounters with Jesus Christ. And so, and some people will speak very openly about the, the way in which they have encountered Christ in their lives. And at the same time, we have to describe, we have to somehow define how wonderful things happen. And, and then, of course, we can latch on to the Spirit and say, it's the Spirit of God that brings love, love into our midst and, the, and a caring and, and enables us to be followers. That's a really good way to put it. I, I like that a lot. One thing that I always return to is this question, what's the issue? Like, why, why even bother about this? Is it abstract? And I think that's most people's complaint about it. It just seems abstract. It's not really real. It's not something that really speaks to me and my daily life. And I, I think it actually does, because there's a huge issue that is at the heart of God. That's the whole reason we talk about Trinity. And the way that I put it is I say, God doesn't play by the rules. And what I mean by that is God doesn't just stay up in heaven where he belongs. So what do I mean by that? You imagine a, a God that most people think of, we might call it Plato's God, the one who's just up there somewhere and is just serene, beyond being. And you can unite with that God if you just strip away everything that's earthly and human about you and you find that your true nature is like this God. And if you get rid of all the dirty stuff, then you can unite with that heavenly, serene being. And the Trinity is just not like that. Uh, Trinity is a God who actually leaves the serenity of heaven and gets involved in the mess of our human existence. I love how Ron Rollheiser puts it. He says, you know, this word incarnation, incarnus from the Latin, it is not a spiritual word. It comes from carnal, carnality, carnivorous. It's about the body and its raw, brute, physical tangibility. It just is living in physical flesh. And what it means is it's God's enters into history, God with us here and now, not off in some serene heaven, but in the real messiness of life. I, I think for me, it's about this antidote to ethereal religion, about being serene and kind of floating above everything. I actually think we need something with a bit of grit and strength. If we are going to lead lives of love in a very hard world, make a difference, but not give in to cynicism and hardness. And this we only do, I think, by sharing life with the Trinity in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit and to the glory of God, the Father. That is why I love Trinity. Yeah, I like that point that you made about not God not being in a sense, scared off by the messiness of our lives. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the resistance to understanding God as, as Trinity through the years has actually centered on exactly that, that people have just thought it's just, it's just not possible. We can't even fathom a God that would become embroiled in our messy flesh and our messy physical world. And we have to find a way to hold God, um, in a sense, to protect the, the purity of God and hold God apart. But with the Trinity, it's a different understanding of God. It's, it's a God who's with us and um, works in us. To make it a, a simple point about it, it, it's as though God, who up until a certain point, everybody thought was the, the, the sort of wise old man sitting uh, above us, entered into our lives in the person of Jesus, 
And then when Jesus returned to be with God, it, it, he didn't leave, though. He stuck around because the, the Holy Spirit stayed to empower us and to enable our, our continuing as followers. So, yeah, it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the heart of the Trinity right there. Well, that's a, that's a good note to start our ending. We were talking about this doctrine, trying to say it's not abstract. It means something to us. But as we go from here, as we prepare for Trinity Sunday, I wonder if there's something in particular for each of you. And I've thought about this as well, that this from this reading or from the Isaiah reading or from the Trinity that we might take with us this week. The thing that strikes me is that the definition of the Trinity the Council of Nicaea pretty much did that, although it, it has not, that didn't end at all. I'm sure there wasn't a great sigh of relief that we've, we've finally solved the problem. At the same time, the definition that we have is born out of struggle, uh, out, out of trying to, encount, to de define how we relate to God and how God relates to us. And, and, I, and so I, I, it's important to have Trinity Sunday to remind us that we too need to continue to struggle to make the points for ourselves, to find ways in which we connect with God. Yeah, I like that, Michael, and I'll, yeah, I, I like that point, Michael, and I'll, I'll take something similar from it, to use the Trinity as a lens to look at my own life and my own understanding of God in a in a way that I have to return to periodically and say, am I, are there places where I'm, I'm still trying to hold God at a distance or where I'm still resisting the, the community that God's inviting me into all those things, you know, it, it's, it's just a good, a good spiritual self-check, I think, to see where do I need to, where do I need to live more fully into this understanding of God and what it means for me. Trinity is always actually quite important to me on a, on a daily basis. I used to think what I was seeking for was answers to my questions. What I have learned over time that I've really been looking to how to live well. And I think to live well, I need to live it with God. And to me, that's what Trinity means. God, not me going to God in, like I said earlier, some ethereal heaven, but God coming to me and bringing glimpses of the heaven of the kingdom of God here in my life. And for me, I, I see things like Jesus hanging on the cross, but yet asking forgiveness for those killing him. I think of somebody like St. Paul who talks about being afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. I I see this as, I don't know, I'll call it religion with a backbone. <laughs> it can go to the margins. It can call out injustice. We can see Jesus in the poor and the needy. We can persevere. We can run the whole race and yet still be loving and joyful at the end. I think that's what life with God is meant to be. To me, that's what Trinity captures. And so I, uh, I meditate on that. Well, thank you so much to everyone for listening to our Hope Canteen podcast. We love having these conversations. We believe insight is born out of conversation with one another. If you have any thoughts or insights about Trinity or this season, please leave it in the comments in the website or send it to me at revstevelondon at gmail.com. Until then, we are now entering into the long season of Pentecost. See you next week. Take care. Bye for now.